Have you ever taught someone something? I guess all of us must have done at some time or other. Came across this, I uh, don't know what you call it really, this, well it says, all I really needed to know, I learned in preschool. Listen to this. It says, all I really needed to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in preschool. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sandpit at school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm biscuits and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out in the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why. But we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup. They all die and so do we. And then remember the Janet and John books and the first word you learned. And the biggest word of all, look. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation. Ecology and politics and equality and sane living. It goes on to say, take any one of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or government or the world and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had biscuits and milk at about three o'clock in the afternoon and they lay, lay down with our blankies for a little nap. Or if all the governments had as a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it is still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out in the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. There's a lot of truth in there, in those words. Everything I learned, I learned in preschool. And today we're coming on to the last part of what we're told to go and do as part of the Great Commission. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. And we'll just remind ourselves. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
Let's pray. Lord, as we reflect on just one little part of those verses, that great commission to us today, we ask that you would again speak to our hearts, to our minds, to our lives. Lord, our ears are open to hear, our hearts, our minds are open to hear from you. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. So Jesus said to his disciples three things. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've looked at those. And today I want us to focus on that third thing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever taught someone something? Well, when you go to teach someone, the first thing you need is you've got to know something to teach. You have to have something to offer. If you stand up in front of a class of students and you've got nothing, you know nothing about that subject, you're quite nervous at the time because you start to try and make it up as you're going along and you know pretty soon they're going to find you out. You know you to know what it is you're going to teach. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, he said, this is the passage where he sends out the 12 disciples. He said, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you, until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Jesus obviously had taught them enough about what it meant to preach the kingdom of God. And so he said to them, I've taught you, now you go and teach everybody else. Go out there, do the great commission, preach the kingdom and heal the sick, the great commandment in Matthew 22. Show the love of God. These are the two things I want you to go and do. And these are the two things he tells us to do in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment today. But just think for a moment about those disciples when they went out. They hadn't got the answers to everything. They were quite early on in the ministry of Jesus. He taught them, he'd shown them, he'd demonstrated some of the things. And then he said, now you go and do it. But they didn't have every answer to every question. Well, what happens if somebody asks us this, Lord? Don't worry about it. Well, what what about this? Don't worry about it. Well, we've actually not been out and healed anybody yet. Don't worry about that either. Just go and do it. And I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the power to heal and to bring the kingdom. And we know that the disciples didn't have everything sorted If you look further on in that chapter, in verse 44 and 45, Jesus says to them, he says to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Verse 45 says, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. They didn't even understand the role that Jesus had. And yet still Jesus sent them out. We need to know enough to impart what we know to others. But we don't have to know absolutely everything. 
I love the story about a father and a small son who were out walking one day. And the son, as they were walking out into the, into the, uh, in the countryside, the son started asking the father some questions. He says, Dad, how does the electricity go through that wire from that pylon over there to that pylon over there? And the dad thought, he goes, well, son, I never really knew too much about electricity. I'm afraid I don't know. And they walked on a little bit further. Dad, what causes thunder and lightning? Hmm. Um, well, it's um, kind of like when clouds... I don't really know. That's kind of puzzled me as well. Dad... How does Teflon stick on the pan when it's non-stick? <laughs> Dad, how much deeper would the ocean be if there weren't sponges in it to soak up the water? Dad, if a turtle doesn't have a shell, is it homeless or naked? <laughs> Dad, if a word is misspelt in the dictionary, how can we tell? Dad, if it's zero degrees outside today and it's going to be twice as cold tomorrow, how cold is that going to be? When they got home, the boy turned to his father and said, Dad, I hope you don't mind me asking all you those questions. No, not at all, the dad said. How else are you going to learn anything? You can't know everything. I'd like you to answer some of those questions. But that doesn't mean to say we can't teach anything either. And sometimes in churches, we're too afraid to go and teach others because we think, well, I don't know all the answers. And so therefore, we we use that as an excuse almost to stop ourselves going and doing what Christ has asked us to do. But equally, we need to know our limits as well. There's nothing more dangerous than somebody who thinks they know something when really they don't. You know what I mean? When you think, just take a DIY project at home. You think you know how to do it until you start. Yeah, I'll get all the stuff. I'll go to home base. I'll buy everything I need. I can handle this. I I can definitely handle this. I mean, how hard can this be? And then you start the project and you suddenly realise you haven't got enough of the right tools. So you have to go out and buy a whole new selection of tools that cost in you hundreds of pounds. And then you come back and you carry on with the project. And then realise after a while that actually this is a little bit more complex than you first realised. And finally, in the end, you have to give up and you've made a complete mess of the whole thing. And it costs you twice as much as if you'd hired somebody in to do it in the first place. You need to know the limits. We need to know what we know, but also what we don't know. And we need to be honest about that and have the integrity to say, I'm not sure, I'm still working on that. And that's okay. William Ward said, a mediocre teacher tells, a good teacher explains, a superior teacher demonstrates, and a great teacher inspires. And the inspiration, I always think, comes from people 
who are honest and have that kind of integrity and passion within them. That's what truly inspires us. When we recognize that they're on a journey as well, they may be a little bit further down the road on that same journey that we are on, but they haven't reached the end. They haven't got everything sorted out, everything worked out. They're still in that process. And that's what inspires us. Because we then realize that we can get to the place where they maybe are if we keep on down that same road. We need to know our limits. But equally, as we've just said, we need to be a role model too. We need to live the message that we're saying as well as preach it. 2 Timothy 2, Paul talks to his son, Timothy, his son in the Lord, and says, as I taught you, so now you go and teach other people. As I implanted the knowledge of God that I have into you, now it's your responsibility to go and pass that on to other people that you find. And we have to be that kind of role model, that channel, not only of what we see, not only of who we are, not only of what we read here in God's Word, but we pass that on to others as we live the message. Jesus said, teach, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what is it that we are to teach others? Well, in Matthew, as I just said, he says we are to teach them obedience, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why? Well, in John 15, it reminds us of why we need to be obedient to God. John 15, verse 9, this is about the vine and the branches. And after that, he says, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. He's talking to his disciples. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. See that? If, if you obey my commands. You will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then he goes on. See what he says here? If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So he's saying, if you don't obey my commands, you won't remain in my love. The reason the father continued to love his son and was pleased with him was because the son remained and was obedient to the father's commands. He said, I've done everything you asked me to do. And so we need to remain obedient to Christ. Remain connected to him. Through that obedience. It's the only way to remain in God's love. You know, one of the things when people kind of fall away from Christ, one of the questions you should always ask them is about their obedience. Are you doing what Christ wants you to do? Because if you don't feel the love of God anymore, it may be that you're actually deliberately going outside of what God wants you to do. You're actually going against this verse. What you're doing is saying, I want God, I want you to love me, but I'm going to actually do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. And then we wonder why that love from God suddenly flows away from us. I don't feel anything anymore. First question you should ask yourself, 
Are you being obedient to God? Or are you being disobedient? Because all the way through the scriptures, take up your cross every day, and so on. Jesus said it over and over again. You want to have the blessing of God, you need to remain obedient to him. That's why in Matthew 28, he says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's why it's so important. And what does he go on in John here to say? Not only that you will remain in God's love, but in verse 11 he says, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You cannot have the joy of God inside of you if you're being disobedient to Christ's commands. They will disappear. That joy will flow away. And so we need to teach obedience to Christ so that people remain in God's love and continue to have the joy that Christ offers to them. But what is it exactly that we are to teach them? Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at this just a little bit today. This is Jesus calling the first disciples. It's a story you'll know well. We've used it a number of times. Luke 5, verse 1. He said, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Two things we see here. What are we to teach? Well, Jesus, first of all, was doing what? People were there around. He was by the water's edge. They were crowding around, so he got out into a boat. And what did he do? It says he taught them the word of God. The first thing we are to teach people is God's word, the scriptures. We need to know the scriptures. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have tag groups and so on. So that we can come together and look at the scriptures together and learn the scriptures. The more you know the scriptures, the more you know the commands and the promises of God. The more you know what he's asking you to do and asking each one of us to do. The more we understand what God is saying through his word. The more we understand ourselves and the more obedient we can be to him. We need to know the scriptures. We need to keep reading it over and over and over again. Get into the habit of studying his word. Because the more we study... And the more we do that systematically, not just on a Sunday morning, but right throughout the week, just keep reading, reflecting. The more we do that, the more obedient we are to Christ. The more we can allow God's word to come in and transform us. But the second thing in this passage we see is an obedience to the voice of Christ and the leading of Christ. Here's Simon He's been out working hard all night, caught nothing. He's there fixing his nets. Jesus comes along, says, I need to borrow your boat. And so he's out there lying in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus is speaking and teaching. And then Jesus says, go out, we're going fishing again. 
And look at verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon was responding to the voice, the leading of Christ. Because you say so. And we need to develop within each one of us that ability, that, that sensitivity to listen to the voice of God. And the word of God and the voice of God go hand in hand together. You will never have the voice of God speaking to you through prayers as you listen to his voice in contradiction to the word of God. You will never have the word of God in contradiction to the voice and the leading of God. And so when we hear the voice of God, the first thing we do is we go to the scriptures and say, does this accord with what Christ has written to us, what God has written to us through his word? And in John 16, John 14, we won't go there right now, but Christ has promised the Spirit to help us, to teach us his word, to help us to listen to the voice and the message of Christ. John 14, 23 to 26, or 16, 13 to 15. Both of those go hand in hand together. And Christ says right at the end of his ministry here, go and share that with others. That is what I want you to do. I want you to take the words of God in the pages of scripture and share that with other people. I want you to take the messages you receive, the voice of God in your own life and in the life of his church. Go and share that with other people. Go and teach them. Teach them how to listen to me. Teach them how to be obedient to me. Teach them how to respond in the way that I want them to respond. And why does he say that? Well, look at the results. Continue reading at verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. First thing here, you see, is the power and the experience. They see and experience the power of God. Jesus says, do what I'm asking you to do. And even though they go, this is pointless. We're fishermen, you're not. They listen to his voice and they respond. The first thing that happens is they see and experience the power of God. Such a large number of fish start jumping into their nets that their nets begin to break. Verse 7, so they signaled their partners in other boats to come and help them. And so they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You experience then the whole blessing, the abundant blessings of God. When you're obedient to him, you don't ask for blessing. The blessing just automatically comes and happens. Why? Because Christ just pours it out upon you and through you. There's, there's so much that you can't hold it yourself. And you have to invite others to come and share in that same blessing. Because it is so great. And others get a portion of that. Because it's just too much for you to handle on your own. And so they encourage the others to come over. And then it says, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. 
Look at what happens after he experiences the abundant blessings of God. Simon then experiences the majesty of God. He sees God. He sees Jesus for who he truly is and he falls on his knees. He just, he recognizes God in Christ, in Jesus. And he's filled with that awe and that wonder and so he falls at his feet. And he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Because when you experience the awe and the majesty of God, at the same time you will experience the holiness of God. And when you experience the holiness of God, you recognize your own sinfulness and unholiness. And so you say, Lord, I can't come close. I'd love to, but I can't because I'm a sinner. Go away from me, Lord. I'm sinful. But what does Jesus do? He encourages us to come closer. Come, follow me, he says. Don't be afraid. And we experience that transformational character and change that God longs to bring in each one of us. Jesus tells us to go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey all that he has commanded us. Why? Well, because he wants to bring that kind of transformation in everyone. He wants us to see and experience the power of God in our lives and through us. He wants us to see and experience the abundant blessings of God. He wants us to see him as he truly is. To recognize his holiness. And to recognize that what he has done for us through the cross. That even though we are sinful, we are forgiven. And we don't need to be afraid. He wants to transform us so that we will go like those first disciples, making disciples, teaching them, training them, so that they in turn may go and make more disciples. I came across a letter that was written by a little child to the teacher. It said, Dear teacher, today mummy cried. Mummy asked me, Jody, do you really know why you're going to school? I said, I don't know why. She said, it's because we're going to be building me a future. I said, what's a future? What does one look like? Mummy said, I don't know, Jody. No one can really see all your future, just you. Don't worry, because you'll see, you'll see. That's when she cried and said, Oh, Jody, I love you so. Mummy says, Everyone needs to work really hard for us kids to make our futures the nicest ones the world can offer. Teacher, can we start today to build me a future? Can you try especially hard to make it a nice, pretty one just for mummy and for me? I love you, teacher. Love Jody. God is building a future for each one of us. He has an amazing future planned for each of us. He has an amazing future planned for Trinity Church. But to realize that, we need to be obedient to Him. Throughout the pages, throughout what Jesus taught, It was that one central message coming back over and over again. 
Stay connected. Be obedient. Follow me. Listen to my voice. Do what I'm asking you to do. Be who I'm asking you to be. Obedience is the key to realize that potential. God has an amazing future planned. Are you being obedient? Are you listening? Are you learning? Are you realizing everything He has planned for you? For that is what He desires. That each one of us go and encourage others to realize the potential, to realize the fullness of what He has for everyone. And to do that, He's chosen you and me to go and help others build their future too. Let's pray. Lord, you have asked us not only to go and make disciples, we've looked at that, to go baptize them, and that's not just with water as we looked at last week. That is to immerse them in you, but also to teach them to be obedient to you. And Lord, that is each one of our responsibility. It's a responsibility for ourselves to learn and to grow. But it's a responsibility you have given us to go and teach one another. And to teach people outside of this church. And show them the potential. Encourage them in the potential that God has for them. Help us to be obedient to you. To listen to your voice in all the different ways that you long to speak to us. To read and know your word so that when we hear that voice, we know whether it's from you or not from you. And to encourage and be a channel to build a future that you have for each of us. You said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That happens as we are obedient to you. May we be obedient and may we teach that obedience and encourage one another in that obedience too so that we all may honor and glorify you. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.